Let's talk rugby. Christy Doran is on the line from theraw.com.au. Good morning, mate. Good to join you, Matt. Yeah, you too. You too. Um, just like the world of the Commonwealth Games, there's a bit going on in the world of rugby, isn't there? I tell you what I do like, mate, um, and I, I've been reading your article, of course, this morning as well, and you've um, given the, the words that Phil War has said that the game of rugby union can't spend more than we can afford anymore. I mean, it's all very simple stuff, Christy, but it's the kind of stuff that we need to hear. The game's got to get itself in order before it can start trying to buy people to come and play the game when the environment isn't there at the moment. Is it a, is it a touch of realities hitting home here or are we just starting to finally get that publicly? Well, it's been a bit of a change, a bit of a U-turn, hasn't it? We've gone from spending $1.6 million on, on one player to saying that we're going to prioritise pathways and trying to tap into the 15, 16, 17-year-olds that have always been out there, that still are out there. And he gave the example of Max Jorgensen, the guy that came through, obviously, Joey's. And in his first year of professional rugby as an 18-year-old, gets an opportunity to go with the Wallabies to uh, to France, obviously got injured. But, you know, we've seen time and time again, there's been plenty of stunning teenagers that have gone through rugby league. Uh, and a lot of them have chosen the 13 person game instead of the 15 person game in recent times and it's a refreshing thing to hear isn't it because this is what a lot of people have been saying for a long long time I still think that there comes a time and a place where an excellent 13th player becomes available wants an opportunity and I think you you can't never you, you shouldn't necessarily be saying no to it but it was nice to hear someone from the top uh, and it will be interesting to see what Hamish McLennan's kind of opinion is, having been so kind of brazenly open about his pursuit of, of NRL players over as recently as, as probably four or five months ago with Angus Crichton and the, and the Cam Murrays of the world. Mm, I wanted to ask you about that because this essentially, and Phil War wasn't there when the Joseph Suwali'i deal was done. And and from, I mean, you'll know well, better he than was I. There, but... He was there, Matt. But not a CEO, yeah, he, right? he was there because he was... No, but he was on the board and he's actually been... And sorry to shut you off there, but he has been on the rugby committee of Rugby Australia for the last couple of years. He's been a board member since 2018. Uh, and he and Hamish have been quite close over the last two years, particularly Dan Herbert's been on that rugby committee. So uh, he can't necessarily wash his hands clean of, of that one. Okay, great. Well, that's what I wanted to get to because I wanted to get to whether or not the the Suali'i call was was essentially a captain's pick from Hamish and whether that puts at odds the current CEO. But as you rightly point out, he was there anyway. But does it put him at odds with the chairman? Is is the chairman out on his own at the moment in terms of the way that he was thinking and and perhaps the way that he's still thinking, or are they aligned in that in that part? Well, I think they are aligned at the moment. Uh, however. You know, we have to also put it in the context of there has been a softening in the in the global kind of financial markets, and that's something that I'm not across, but, but people say that it has. But but the fact of the matter is that they expected to have around 200 to 250 million dollars coming through private equity, and that deal was obviously not there. They're going down a debt path over the next 12 months or so. And, and of course, if you don't have the money there, then you can't just find it and, and um, start spending money uh, willy-nilly on, on rugby league players. Um, 
They've come under a fair bit of criticism regarding the Angus Crichton deal, and I know that's been spoken about in the past, but uh, you know, they, they were prepared to offer him around 400000 and it was reported around 800000 A $400,000 deal to try to get someone like a Crichton over the line would have been, I think most people would have tipped their heart and gone, that's a good deal. Obviously, it didn't get across the line, I think. But there has been a, certainly a shift in the narrative around Rugby Australia and the direction and what does grassroots mean and how do you actually fund that grassroots pursuit because um, you know, they, they, they are strapped for cash. The broadcast deal doesn't compare anything to what the AFL and the NRL currently does. But refreshing to hear and um, they've got a, a big next couple of months because at the moment in terms of they need to lock down their own players soon because there are a number of players that are on co- off contract at the end of 2024. And Mark Nwangan is is one, and there are others, the likes of the Jordan Pataiz of the world, the Hunter Paisamis. And, and at the moment, without having a Wallabies coach, without having a director of national high performance, uh, without having a general manager, they're actually not really in a great position to be able to sign uh, those players that will be soon coming off contract. And that's the key thing coming up that they're going to have to address because... There's not going to be someone in those positions over the next month. It's interesting, too, that in the tit-for-tat world that we've sort of been living in, especially in the build-up towards the World Cup, you know, Rugby League says one thing and then Rugby Union says another, or Rugby Union does one thing and Rugby League tries to do another. Rugby League has this, you know, salary cap possibly exemption um, position for players, for instance, who might want to come across from Rugby Union. Now... As you well know, mate, normally when something like that comes up, then the other side fires a shot. So it's interesting that while Rugby League's talking about perhaps opening the doors even more, Rugby Union through Phil Wars saying the other way, just saying, look, we, we can't compete at the moment. We're not going to compete. There's, there's just nothing we can do. So it takes away that us versus them tit for tat sort of narrative. Yeah, and I think people want to hear that or rugby fans, and I think even rugby league fans want to hear that because, uh, you know, the NRL and the, the deep coffers that they have just simply blow rugby union away. So they can't compete. The only thing they can compete on is the fact that they've got a British and Irish Lions series in 25 and a, and a Home World Cup in 27. And I just spent the best part of 10 weeks over in France. And I can tell you that, and your audience, that it is... Pretty much every single game, there was 48 or 49 matches uh, throughout the, the seven weeks there. And they were all at 95-plus capacity. And you've got 80,000 at the Stade de France. You've got 60,000 in Lyon. You've got 70,000 down in Marseille. These aren't small grounds that are in suburbia. Uh, this is a, a global tournament. And that's what rugby is hanging its hat off at the moment. And, and even, of course, there's the Paris Olympics in 24. And I've just spent... Uh, the last hour down at Centennial Park watching the Aussie Sevens do their thing. Michael Hooper wasn't there, but he's a guy that is going to be pushing his case for selection there. And 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 Silwell was right to point out that that's what they've got. And you've got to play to your strengths. And at the moment, financially, it's not necessarily one of their strengths. Um, and, and, you know, if they can start to uh, get back into the private school system, which is where their, their bread and butter is, if they can secure their best young rising talent, that is probably their best port of call at the moment because the Wallabies need to get back to winning. Uh, they need to repair their um, 
their stock. Rugby need, Australia needs to repair its leadership vacuum. Uh, it needs to build the trust right from the Wallabies through to the Super Rugby franchises because at the moment, fans don't necessarily want to go out and support a losing side. Uh, it looks like a basket case from a leadership perspective. There's a lot of spinning plates with the structure of the game. They need to concentrate on their their backyard before they start looking at, across the other side, uh, which is rugby league at the moment. 100%. Um, Michael Hooper, as you mentioned, so he's committed. He's ready to go into the Sevens program, and he'll join that program full-time in January, so a few months to go there. It's going to be interesting to see how Hoops needs to adjust everything, isn't it? Like, it'll be really interesting to see his transition at this stage of his career into a different format of the game. Yeah, and I, I just spoke to their strength and conditioning coach and uh, their, their head coach, John Menenti, and they, they're pretty confident Michael Hooper will be fine. He's, he's kind of known for the best part of two months that these deals across the line. Uh, he's going to permanently join them by the start of January, but he was he's in there one or two days a week. He's doing a lot of training by himself. Uh, he'll be fit enough. He's already down between that 92 to 94 kilo mark, which is probably four or five kilos lighter than what he was throughout the last few years playing international rugby. Uh, he'll he'll be fine. He's got the skill set. Um, he's, he's strong over the he's reasonable over the ball, but he'll be strong in that sevens space. Uh, and, and the players are excited about seeing him there. They all thought that their own performance at training went up 5 to 10% simply by the fact that he was there on Tuesday and they wanted to impress him. So, uh, you know, I know Eddie Jones has spoken about whether or not he was a good leader and a good person within that Wallabies environment recently. Michael Hooper's going to be a great person throughout this Sevens campaign. And it's a great blend of club players, fringe super players, uh, and guys that are trying their backside off, and that's yeah, Michael Hooper. That's kind of been uh, what he's made his name through the last 10, 12 years of his international career is hard work and discipline, and that's everything about Michael Hooper and Sevens. Yeah, absolutely. You need an engine, don't you, Christy, in Sevens, and he's got one. He's got one that just doesn't stop. Um, oh, yeah. And wish him, yeah, wish him all the very best. So that... Sevens campaign for the Australian team starts the first, well, the first couple of days in December, doesn't it, in Dubai, and then they are on the road. And like you say, Michael Hooper will join them full time in January. Good on you, Christy. Thank you for that, mate. Um, very, very interesting. What's going on in the world of rugby union? It's never a dull day in your world. I appreciate your time. Yeah, still a bit to go, I think, over the next month. But good to join you, man. Cheers. Good on you. You too. Thank you for that, Christy Doran. Theraw.com.au has it all covered. Um, a great story there. The, the, the main story this morning on the front page of that is around Michael Hooper committing to the Olympic dream. But of course, Christie's um, articles on where rugby's at, what Phil War's been up to, the centralisation issue, it's all in there. So a really good take on everything that's been going on in the world of sport. Always thank Christie for his time. Matty, where does the $380 million go? I did text at the time that Daniel Andrews shut down the games about the regional, business, regional businesses that upgraded their workplace knowing trade was coming. What do they see out of the 380? I don't know, Tony. I don't know if there's some sort of package that the Victorian government, I think that there was some talk about that, but the 380, as far as I know, has gone straight to the Commonwealth Games Federation. So that's the payment that they had to lob that way. Not bad. Not bad work. As far as the businesses around that 
we're hoping for everything to come their way and we're adjusting, like you say. I don't know what happens to them and if the government ended up reaching out to them or not. Not sure. All a bit of a mess. 21 and a half minutes after the hour. We're back after this break.